What's up out there, podcast world? You are now listening to Patinico Presents Stay With Me, and I'm your host, Dennis. And we got a pretty awesome show lined up for you guys here today. We're going to be talking about everything from BMWs to Mustangs, Ford Power to LS Power. I have a guest here, Rick Wallen. He's starting up a new venture, Drift Nation 2020. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to be talking about these badass Mustangs that he's building out of Dark Horse Customs. And you can find those at Dark Horse Mustangs on Instagram. But right now, we're going to get right into this and have him tell us all about that. How are you doing today, Rick? I'm doing good. How about yourself, brother? I'm good, man. So we're here with Rick from Drift Nation 2020. And he's going to tell us a little bit about what that's about. He's got some interesting projects going on and a little bit of a career stuff so i'm gonna let him just go ahead and take it away so yeah so uh basically drift nation 2020 started out as a car build for a film that we're actually uh, working on right now um it's starring robbie knievel evil knievel's son um so blood red snow is the film and one of the cars that's in the film is a 2001 bmw 330i e46 so when we first started looking at doing this project um we were going to build a car in the shop do everything like normal um as per our other vehicles we own another uh business which is dark horse customs uh dark horse customs customs.net if you want to go check it out um and we build 69 and 70 mustangs so we have a full shop and we were originally going to just build this car in the shop and get it set up for the movie but along the lines of getting the car and doing some other things i decided that i wanted to set it up for a youtube channel and film a youtube series called back to the basics that is all about basically building a car from start to start to scratch um completely with just standard tools that you would have in your garage um not like you'd have in a full shop with uh, sheet metal brakes and plasma cutters and you know things like that this is just you know grassroots style using cutoff wheels and grinders and um you know all your basic stuff that you can go get from a harbor freight tool company or uh you know your local parts store or something like that um that are easily accessible and affordable for people to be able to use at their house um biggest reason for that is because there's still a lot of guys out there that or girls that are building cars at home in their garage and they don't necessarily know how to do everything um and i have a lot of experience in a lot of different fields um i build cars from start to uh, finish um from the ground up i do interior engines transmissions paint body electrical suspension um everything all myself in my shop so i said how come i can't um you know provide those skill sets to other people by showing them how to build a car um so this car was going to be built as a drift car because the movie is going to um prelude into the next movie which is death squad 360 after the crew is kind of assembled in the first film um and death squad 360 is going to be a full drift documentary well not a documentary but a a drift racing film um so basically 
this car is going to be in several movies. This is just the first one that it's going to be in. And um, we wanted to use this platform to give our followers and different people who were looking at the YouTube station tips and tricks on how to build a full Pro 1 drift spec race car in your garage with basic tools. Um, so that's kind of where Drift Nation started. Uh, and now it has progressed into a full website, uh, driftnation2020.com. Um, we have Drift News there. We have uh, a gallery that we host all of our followers' rides. Uh, once a week, we post different uh, featured rides on our front page. We have our YouTube that's there. We have all of our sponsors for the vehicle that we're building currently because it's a fully sponsored build. Um, so we have quick links to all of their websites as well as sell their products on our website. So it's kind of a one-stop shop website that's available for anybody who's in the drifting or racing industry we don't discriminate <laughs> you don't have to slide sideways we can uh, definitely you know hook you up with different ideas along the way that you might need for your build um and so that's kind of where drift nation has uh, started and become as a late it sounds good, man. And that's this is the thing, though. So people are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be like, what? What is Patina Code doing talking about drifting? But as you know, we talked a little bit beforehand and, you know, I was in the whole tuner scene. I'm sure everybody was in the early thousands, you know. So it's still something of interest to me. And I did the Nopi shows and all that and got to be a part of the drifting. And I didn't ever do any, but I was at the shows and watched and it was interesting and it still pretty much is to me because it's cool as somebody taking a car and building tremendous power and then slinging it around you know so as any car person likes to see a car sliding <laughs> I mean, definitely i mean i i started drifting when i was pretty young but um the cars that we build at my actual shop at dark horse customs um one of them i was telling you a little bit earlier is called the mad max it's uh 830 horsepower 1970 ford mustang um started out with a 460 super cobra jet and uh then it got bored and stroked with an eagle rotating assembly to a 545 um trick flow uh made us a custom set of 115 cc heads for it we got high compression dome ceramic pistons on it and um comp cams they set us up with a custom set of beehive valve springs one of the biggest things we wanted to do with this build as we kind of went through the evolution of its motor um we blew it up four times before we got it right just so you know <laughs> um so that cost us about seventy thousand bucks um each time that we had to pull the motor back out rebuild it find out what was wrong um and then put it back together and what it was every time was the hydraulic lifters so we wanted to build a car that was six to seven hundred horsepower that was our original number that we were going for that did not have solid lifters and would be able to be a daily driven car so that for me was quite a challenge because normally when you're building a motor that makes you know 600 to 800 horsepower um your hydraulic lifters can't support the amount of spring pressure that your valve springs are going to be 
once you start making that horsepower rating. So what kept happening was is originally we had 900 inch pound uh, springs on it originally, and they would shatter the lift the lifter basically the hydraulic lifter that's in there just crack in half done and then it would put a whole bunch of metal through the motor and here we go again (laughs) so um we did that you know several times trying to figure out what we could do to make that right um and then finally we got a hold of comp cams and they actually sat down uh with us with an r&d guy and designed a custom one-off valve spring so that's what we have in our motor and so i will say that our motor is proprietary because there's nobody out there that i know of that's running a 545 super cobra jet naturally aspirated making 830 horsepower not on stall lifters so that's a that's one achievement that we've done with that car that i would say is a, a big achievement for sure um but um that mustang is you know what i cut my teeth on really getting really sideways um you know when when you have a car i I had 240 sx's when i grew up i had a lot of subarus when i grew up um a lot of different cars that you can go out and rip the e-brake and power over and get sideways in but there's not a whole lot of cars the average person drives that's 800 horsepower and when you go out and start slinging that thing around and you start realizing that you're melting uh nitto nt555s instantly and you go okay that didn't work out for me so let me try the nitto nt01s oh man i can melt those off instantly too okay next tire <laughs> you know <laughs> right. um so now we're to the uh toyo proxy r888rs and that's what we run on all of our cars um that is an awesome tire um it really holds up to high horsepower cars i'm hoping that it holds up with the bmw that we're building because uh, we're expecting close to 1300 horsepower out of this car when we're done with it it's a ls platform that's twin turbocharged with 76 millimeter turbos so uh it'll definitely put the power down and we've just got to find a tire that'll push it down the track and not melt right yeah exactly <laughs> well we don't mind if it melts but i want to at least make it one loop before right. I put it on the right 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 so that's the whole thing like in the whole tire development, you know, MotoGP was pretty much, you know, so you had Bridgestone and all of them competing because the tires they were running, you know, that would be basically how we would get tires on the street from all the R&D from racing anyway. So it's good to hear that, you know, there's companies that's making a solid tire for people to go out and do stuff. One of the things I want to ask you, though, as you mentioned your website, you know, you will be... Uh, selling the products that you that you're sponsored by as well so what would as far as the classic car industry is do you have anything there that would be of use to us uh, building you know early model cars you know um as far as that my business as far as 
Dark Horse Customs, we don't really sell too many components. I do make a few custom components, one-off parts for Mustangs, um, because there's not a very big market uh, that, or not market per se, but manufacturing market that's there for aftermarket parts on Mustangs. Um, So we started making a few different components that we sell for the vehicles. Um, But a lot of the stuff that I do for the classic cars is in house so um really if you wanted to go to darkhorsecustoms.net and check out the website and if you see something that's on the website that you happen to like or a design idea that you see um and you need help uh trying to achieve that with your vehicle or maybe we make something like that for you i'm more than happy to help out doing that um one good company that i would say that i use uh for a lot of my components is atec motorsports it's the same as summit but it's kind of like the um the wholesale side so if anybody happens to own a business and they have a business license they can get signed up with atec motorsports and um basically get anything that's on summit for you know another 25 percent off because uh, now you're a wholesale dealer so you can kind of do that um there is a couple companies that i deal with uh specifically uh like Mosier engineering for instance so if you guys needed Mosier parts you can contact me um or uh contact patina and see if he can get in touch with me and you guys can get hooked up with some Mosier stuff i get really deep discounts with them but there's not a whole lot that i have readily available on my website necessarily for that all right cool cool but yeah you just put out some good information though and that's what this whole thing is about and we're definitely uh we gonna do for you guys listening out there rick and i we're gonna do a patina view and then so we'll get a look at this bmw with all the letters in the alphabet in it (laughs) 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 and we're you know so that'll be on uh the patina code page on instagram and you guys will be able to see him and what he's working on as he's talking about it but uh as i think it's really interesting and it's pretty cool like like we talked about so many different things before we started this podcast but uh this is a really interesting guy here and uh (laughs) we ended up talking what did we talk for man probably an hour it was like Probably an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes before we even started the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I warned you the other day, though. <laughs> you know, but no. Um, so, yeah, what else do you have now? You got the, the sequel to the movie. Now, is it going to be shot directly after that, or is it going to take a little bit of time? Like you said, once you get the crew, it's going to be the same crew that you used for this first movie. So is it going to be right after, or is it going to take some time? Yeah, we'll pretty much film them back to back. That's usually what we'll do. So when we start, a, if we know that we're going to do a couple movies or we're going to have you know uh, consecutive films, we'll just film them all straight through. And the reason why is because... With filming and editing, what a lot of people don't realize when you're doing it on a, you know, professional or theatrical level is that you might be in one location, but that one location holds four scenes. And so if you have a script written and you already have ideas of what are going to be in those films, 
you can basically have scenes that are available to you in one location that can be used for scenes in another film if you know you're doing consecutive films, right? Mm. So um, it's all about time management. Um, so if you're in one location and you can film for two different movies in one location, you do that. Um, so a lot of times you'll you'll end up filming and getting multiple pieces to both films at the same time um and so yeah it'll all kind of be filmed simultaneously as we go through um and look at each one of the different sets that we're using for that day uh and decide how it can be coordinated for a particular scene for said film that we're doing right right yeah sounds like a lot of work it's uh but it's interesting man it's cool to hear about it and I can't wait till we do do the putting of you so you can go over and you can start talking about everything that's going on with the vehicle. So you got into building at an early age and it's just carried forward till to now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I basically, uh, I think the first thing that I can remember working on was my electric power wheel. And, um, you know, that's like, you know, a vivid memory that I can think of. I know that I was working on things before then because my mom's told me, but that's what I can remember. And I remember my uh, dad took the battery out of it to charge it. And I was like, why isn't this thing going? What's wrong with this thing? And I, I always had an intuitive mind. So I was like, you know, what's going on with this thing? And my dad was a mechanic. And so I always saw him under the cars, you know, and he would have wrenches and he'd be cussing and, you know, doing all this stuff and whatnot. And so I climbed underneath the car and I put a couple of bricks underneath it. And I went down to the garage and I grabbed a pair of pliers and I started cutting every wire that there was. <laughs> <laughs> and I changed all the wires to different directions and I said okay now that should make it work and by then I didn't realize me walking up and down the hill a couple times my dad had come back up and he put the battery back in the thing and it was ready to go and so I get in it and I hit the gas and everything's wired backwards and forward is reverse and reverse is forward now <laughs> and I'm like oh man I messed that up and so you know had to figure out how to put that thing back together to make it to where it drive normal again and so that was probably my my first experience that I remember as a kid um really working on something and it was with electrical and that's usually most people's demons <laughs> yeah um so uh, my dad did tell me, though, at a young age, he said, you know, if you're going to be a mechanic and you're going to go anywhere in this field, one thing that you better learn is electronics and computers, because that's where the industry is going. Don't just be a, a monkey wrench turner because, you know, you're just going to get low pay because you're not going to be experienced or, you know, have that qualification for the technical aspect for diagnostics on newer vehicles. So, um that was one of my my biggest studies while growing up uh, was I was always intrigued by cars. So even while I wasn't at school, everything that I was doing when I got home was either building a go-kart or working on my next door neighbor's car or we would go four-wheeling and I was the kid that was the first kid that would slide underneath the truck and start tearing apart the axles or the gear sets and basically start fixing the truck while everybody else was relaxing and having a beer. And so I earned the nickname Boy Wonder because I was the young kid who just made it happen every day on the trail. 
So that was kind of like, you know, for me, everything that I enjoyed. So I like to research things that I enjoy. Um, I'm very technically minded. So like for me reading books, I don't read books like Where the Red Fern Grows. I read like uh, technical analytic books that are about electrical diagrams or uh, books that are about uh, energy and resonance from, you know, Tesla and things like that. So I was an odd kid, you could say, kind of a, a nerd, but in the automotive sense. Right. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I definitely had a lot of experience in a lot of different areas as I grew up because by the time I was 16 and was able to drive I had already built probably 10 cars um, and I did that because a hobby slash profession that I had was buying a car fixing it and selling it because I was told by an old man if you have a car that's running and it's registered, it's worth a thousand bucks. And so I was like, okay. So I'd go buy a car for a hundred or two hundred. I would do a couple small things to it. I would go down. I'd get it put in my name. I'd get the registration done, and I would list it for sale. And so I was doing that before I had a license. I was twelve years old, you know, when I was doing that stuff. And so um, I basically did that for years to pay for my first car, so then I could have my first car. Um, and by that point I had been building it in the garage for four or five years and, um, then had my, my first rock crawler, you could say when I was 16 years old. Um, so yeah, I, you know, have been doing this for a really long time. There's a lot of people that ask me, um, where do you get your experience or how can I do what you do? Um, and I tell them, well, Either A, go to college because there's a lot to learn in a little amount of time because you're, you know, 18 years old and you haven't done this for 20 years. You know, if, if you're 18, like I feel like at 18, I had been doing it my whole life. You know, it, by the time I was 18 years old, I was like, man, I've been doing this since I was four or five. And um, so that's why, again, I did the back to the basics thing because I have so much experience that uh, I just want to share it with people. Um, I'm more than happy to help. I'm a really open guy. And um, if anybody has a problem, I'm a horde of information. And all it takes is a message or a question. And I have no problem responding to anybody. And I have, you know, uh, an extreme amount of skills uh, from fabrication to general automotive repair to um, electrical. I mean, it really does. My skill sets are very long. So if there's anything that your viewers need or listeners need, feel free to reach out because I'm more than happy to share it. Uh, that's, that's again, what drift nation 2020 was about is that I wanted to be able to, um, show somebody how to do something that they don't think that they can do themselves. Um, there's a lot of people out there that get discouraged because they just think something's too hard to obtain or too hard to do. Um, and so I try to make it, look easy and be easy at the same time a lot of times something might look simple but it's not as simple to actually get that done um there's a few things that i've done on our build for the blood red snow e46 that um is definitely some creative side to it so you have to have a little bit of um you know artisticness to yourself to be able to make it 
slow, right? But at the same time, I'm more than happy to show a process, you know, and, and give somebody the opportunity to have that artistic um, touch on their own car, you know? Right, yeah, definitely. And that's that's one of the reasons why you're on here right now, because we have the same viewpoints as far as that goes. Like, as everybody knows that deals with Patina Code. They, they know that that's all I'm about is trying to help and trying to problem solve and trying to do stuff. And that's why I come out here every day and I show people, okay, this is what I did. And... Uh, people are, are more apt to definitely get more involved building their project or even take on their project for their first time when you have somebody that's willing to be like, hey, yeah, you can do this or you can do that or maybe even just kind of problem solve with them. So, yeah, we have the same ideology on that. And that's one of the, the big things. Like when we were talking, I was like, yeah, 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 we're the same. Definitely. I mean, that's, uh, you know, a huge part to this is just making it to where people have accessibility, you know, to to get information that they need to be able to learn themselves, you know. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And just like you, uh, a few people know that that's what um that's the next thing. So the next truck that I'm going to build, it's going to be built entirely on YouTube, although I am going to post stuff on Instagram, but it's going to be built for somebody that wants to build an AD truck doesn't know or they're afraid to ask somebody because you know people you know they they turn on you like they talk down on you or whatever want to shun you because you don't know something that they think is basic so i plan on formatting it in a way to where it shows this is how you would build the ad truck and i'm gonna use a lot of the easier ways to do it like all my other trucks they've all had welded on cross members well you know there's a company called speedway they make a, a bolt-on front cross member mustang 2 style so we're going to do that and just i'm just going to simplify it because i've built the ones that are so-called complicated or whatnot but yeah i want to build it in a way to where just your basic person can do it kind of like what you're doing with the back to basics um just using the basic tools that you have and whatnot because people want to build but it takes tools to do it and tools aren't cheap right as i've been building this car and how I build a lot of my cars that I kind of put together, it's made me realize as I've seen a lot of the viewers not recognizing some of the components that I'm using on this car because I, I list the, the Instagram as a, you know, a drift site, obviously Drift Nation 2020. Right. And so I have a lot of drift followers. But what I found is that they really only know other drift information. And I have a really broad scale of information because I've raced lots of different cars. I've raced drag cars. I've raced dirt, race, uh, uh, dirt late model cars. I've raced on-road race cars. I've raced um, oval track cars. So lots of different stuff that I've done behind the wheel. And there's lots of different styles of setups between those different vehicles, right? Yep. So why not take the best of those vehicles or the best of certain conditions and implement them into your project how it best suits that particular build right so yeah. like a lot of people with these ls swaps and and the bmws have issues with engine placement placement being able to get it low enough and far enough back with the way that the motor mounts can set up so i told myself I even mess with motor mounts. How come you guys don't just use the aluminum plates that they use for drag racing and run a front engine plate and a rear engine plate? And I had four or five hundred people. What the hell are those? 
And so it just makes me really want to tell everybody, look at different styles of racing for some ideas. If you're looking and you're finding that you're having problems with a specific setup that you're trying to run, look around because I bet you're looking down possibly the same hole that you've looked down and there's lots of them available, right? And so um, that's just, you know, a, a word of advice is to branch out. And even if you're building a drag car, don't look just at drag car stuff because there might be something that somebody's made at another racing platform that will inherently work for what you're trying to do and you're just not seeing it, right? Correct. And that's how you came up now where the tubular A arm is mainstream, but that's race application stuff, heim joints, all that. You know, that's all race stuff that was carried over to the street. And like you're saying, you can't get stuck looking down one avenue. So now the one question that I do want to know, are there a lot of BMWs with LS swaps? And so like, why not use the BMW engine? What's 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 up with that? So the BMW motor is a pretty good motor. I say pretty good. Um, but the reality is this and why we chose to go with an LS and why a lot of people choose to go with an LS, uh, even looking at classic cars, you know, some people say, oh, you ruined that car cause you put an LS in it. Well, you've got to look sometimes at somebody's budget, right? right? So that's really where it comes to with a lot of people who are garage builders is their budget. And if I want to go buy a crate motor that is a Chevy 350, you know, whatever that's got 400 horsepower, it's going to set me back 3,500 to five grand. Right. And if I go buy a junkyard LS or an LQ nine out of one of the trucks and I get that thing with the wiring harness, the ECU and the transmission for a thousand bucks and I've got to go buy a $400 engine and transmission mount kit and a $200 fuel pump and run some fuel lines. I mean, I just cut all my other options to a third. So that's the, you know, reality of where most builders go to is, is cost, cost, right? Yeah. So when we looked at building this thing and why most people do these swaps, there's a lot of guys that do the LS swaps, but the biggest reason is this, is that I can make twice as much horsepower for half the cost with an LS motor. Yeah. This LS, I'm going to make 1300 horsepower to 1500. That's my guess right in there. It being built for close to 2000 and I'm going to tune it down to my happy spot. Um, and so, I mean, for me to build a 2000 horsepower M54 BMW motor would probably cost me 30 grand just because of BMW parts and how niche they are. And it would be custom components to be able to make that kind of horsepower. Whereas this motor, I bought a rotating assembly for 
twenty two hundred bucks. Um, I've got obviously several sponsors, but Brian Tooley Racing is one of them. They set us up with a cam, valve springs, valves, uh, intake manifold. Um, you know, a lot of internal components for it. Let's say that those parts are approximately four grand in parts right in there, um, and then. I'm going to have the engine built from a local machinist. He's going to charge me $1,600 to balance and blueprint the whole motor. And my tune, it's going to cost me another five or $600. So, I mean, barring some small parts like fuel injectors and, you know, things like that, blah, blah, blah. You're talking, I'm going to be into it for maybe 6000 if I were to pay for every one of the components, um, and in this particular case, because a lot of them are sponsored, I'm not paying that much. But if somebody were to come out of pocket $6,000 for 2,000 horsepower or $30,000 for 2,000 horsepower. <laughs> so that's the, that's the reality of an LX. And, and it's like that even for my 545 Super Cobra Jet. I can make 800 horsepower from an LS for a thousand dollars. Like if you have, if you have an LS motor and you have a thousand bucks, you're going to make 800 horsepower all day long, reliably, no problem for me to make 800 horsepower in my 545 is $25,000. Mm, yeah. So, you know, it's, do you want to pay for nostalgia? I love the 545. It's nasty. It's raw. It's American. I'm about it. That's why I built it. But you pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so if you want to take a car to cruise night and have your build that you're building with your son and you work a nine to five and live paycheck to paycheck like most of us do, you're probably not buying a $25,000 motor. Right. You're probably going to go buy a $1,000 LS motor out of the junkyard and over the next four to six months, put two or $300 here and there into it until it's ready to get installed into the truck and you're going to paint it up with some Krylon paint and it's going to look extra pretty and you're going to be happy as hell because your truck is driving to that car show. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. And that's the LS, he's coming on strong, man. And then when you get to throwing out horsepower numbers, you know, a thousand, fourteen hundred horsepower, that just that's enough to make somebody wanting to start checking into the old LS, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, they do, they make stupid power for stupid little money, right? I mean, um, you can look up, I think it's it's on. Uh, you know, YouTube, but I think it's called Junkyard Garage. And they do a build with a LKQ, which is a Junkyard pickup truck LS motor. And they put a single turbocharger on it, stock bottom in. And all they do is they put head studs on it and Kometic head gaskets and a new cam. And they make a thousand horsepower. Wow. On a stock bottom end. Mm, mm, mm. So you're talking most guys can do that in their garage most guys are willing to take a set of heads off and put a cam in not too many people are going to start putting rods and pistons and that stuff in because you got to hone the block and blah 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 but for the most part 
somebody will go buy a junkyard motor and put heads in a cam in it without too much scarcity and they can easily make a thousand horsepower for a thousand bucks and i've looked at that build 400 times and i i keep staring at it and i'm like there's no way that they could have done that and i mean he's done three videos since then talking about longevity of it and the biggest thing that they have issues with is the piston ring clearance so you've got to widen the gap on the piston ring so then when it's under boost that piston ring collapses and it doesn't pinch together and cause the ring to hit the side of the cylinder wall and you're good to go other than that they've got no problems they will hold 25 30 pounds of boost up to a thousand horsepower like a champion so i don't know if anybody's out there really talking crap about ls's but if they are they might reconsider just because of the the cheapness of the power that they produce that's mm. that's it so now you mentioned the piston ring clearance now would that be is that a specialized ring to buy or do you file it back Yep, you just file it back. So most most piston rings, when you purchase them new, are filed to fit. And so um, your standard piston ring clearance is, say, anywhere between 10 and 12 thousandths. And for a turbo car, you want to have 30 to 35 thousandths, depending on how much boost you're going to be running. Uh, so the pressure is what's compressing that ring down. Um, and so, you know, you're talking a factory piston ring, if it's you know 13 14 thousandths if you boost that thing you're gonna over collapse it by 15 thousandths so that's basically what you're doing exactly you're just filing that uh piston ring clearance down to where you can get a wider gap in there to where when it's under boost they don't actually touch cool man and well so there's another question in your experience what mileage on an ls motor for somebody just want the you know garage build guy or girl that wants to have an ls what would be the mileage count that you would feel safe about? Because there's some LSs out there. I've seen trucks that's got like 236,000 miles and shit on them. So like, what would be the mileage range for you to take it out, freshen it up, and then run it? And we're not talking about building boosts or anything like that. Somebody just wants an LS to run with. Yep, so if they just wanted an LS to run with, I mean, honestly, so I was uh, I was telling you earlier that I'm a Subaru uh, Master Certified Technician, but the dealership that I was working at was a GM and a Subaru dealership. So I was a headline technician for GM for four years before I went to Subaru. And so all I did was engines, transmissions, and that stuff. I had five racks, and I was a GM Heavyline Tech. Um, so when you talk about the LK... Uh, LQ9s or any of the 5.3s, 6.0s, or 4.8s even. Um, Longevity-wise, you're talking they don't die. (laughs) 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 They are very, very well built. I mean, some of them in the 230,000 mile plus range start having some lifter issues where they'll tick because the lifters start sticking a little bit. Um, and you're talking somebody who worked at a dealer. So, you know, we saw a lot of these things coming in. Um, Chevy's problem is their transmissions. Rarely do they have an engine issue. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, all the way from the Corvettes to the trucks to the Camaros, um, all that stuff. Once they got out of the LT motor series, mm-hmm. um, it's, I mean, they've been flawless. I mean, like their, their game is solid. So I would say 
I would I would put faith behind an LS motor junkyard pullout. Just pressure wash the damn thing off and put it in your truck up to 180, 190, almost 200,000 where it'd still be like, man, you're still going to get 20 or 30,000 out of it before it has a problem. Damn. That's, now, that's that's pretty amazing to me. And, I, you know, that seems like a lot of miles. But, of course, technology has come along. And so, and you mentioned, you know, like you have the, the lifter tick. So what would be one of the things to fix the lifter tick if you didn't want to pull it apart is there anything to do or you just let it tick um i mean i'm kind of a hillbilly dude i would just <laughs> let it tick but that's, okay but that's also let me just say that that's also a mechanic knowing exactly what that component failure is right and being okay with it because it's moderate or what have you but also having an experienced ear to know when it's no longer moderate right right so like i would say most guys let it tick too damn long and then they end up buying a motor so um my recommendation for somebody would be not to have it tick because most likely they'll forget about it it'll become a ambient noise that they're used to every time they drive the vehicle until it doesn't drive anymore um, <laughs> so um i would say to eliminate that without having to tear the motor down is fairly difficult there is a couple things that you can do to attempt to clean the lifter so that it doesn't have carbon deposits because that's usually what they stick from is from uh oil that uh, isn't being changed often enough and the oil gets hot and creates carbon in the small channels inside of the lifters and other areas of the motor. So there's a couple things that you can do. You can go down and you can get yourself um, like a, uh, a sea foam cleaner that's oil specific, or um, I think it's called CK44, which is oil specific. Um, and what these are is these are high detergents that go into your oil and basically will clean off the varnishing and the carbon deposits that are in your oil and may allow those lifters to work properly again because there's no longer deposits holding them up. Um, so that is a plausible repair. I will say in my experience that that works one out of 50 times but it's something that you can attempt before having to take your motor apart right and that question derived from somebody being the at-home builder going to pull an ls only to find out once they fire it up it's ticking you know what i mean <laughs> so right that's right. where that derived from and yes uh that's the well you, you i mean i pulled a lot of small blocks apart and that's the thing the varnish on them it's like a it's like a copper hue you know <laughs> and that stuff right. is everywhere and it's a lot of it to do with with the oil and i tell people i'm like man if you and this is for people that's building their motor and they're got it tore apart and they're putting it back together as far as small blocks go uh traditional ones if you seal it properly which means not squashing out the seals for the oil paint and all that, <laughs> right there's actual cork gaskets right. that tighten it so tight you can't see through the thing anymore right so if you do it properly and that's why i always suggest that people get a engine rebuild book but 
if you do it right, you can run synthetic oil in the motors. The only thing with synthetic oil is that it will come through every orifice that right. it, it'll find its way out. But if your motor right. is sealed properly, you can run synthetic oil and that cuts back on ticking and varnish and just a lot of things because the synthetic oil is more fluid and it leaves a film over your bearings and over your lifters and everything. That way, when you do dry starts or cold starts, it's not no oil at all on your bearings because conventional oil goes away. It doesn't stay. It'll go away. Right. And right. I tell people, you know, you can use synthetic, not synthetic blend, but full synthetic because it will protect your motor. And right. especially now with these LS motors and everything. So the clearances on those are a lot tighter than what you would have on a traditional block. So there's no reason why you would not run synthetic oil in the motor. And if you look on your shelf, everything's going towards synthetic. Right. It's just, I will say there's this one important thing to say to that. If you're running synthetic in an old classic motor, make sure it is high in zinc. Exactly. Yes. Yep. And so that is a key ingredient that you need for oil for classic vehicles is zinc. And the reason why is because of the cam. Yep. And if you don't have the proper zinc additive in there, you'll basically flatten your cam in about five minutes. So yeah. that's the only thing to add to that. You're right. Now, with, with roller cam, you're cool. Yes, flat with roller cam, you're just fine. Yeah, the flat tip it, uh, flat tip it, <laughs> flat tap it is where you definitely, you need to run zinc if you're running right. and you know my favorite oil is ams oil and it's got zinc you know so that's why <laughs> i know a little bit about the oil because i can you know i can deal ams oil and that's what i use in all my stuff is is the ams oil because it's like the best stuff there is you know and it's been around forever like yeah you know i haven't used ams oil personally i had a guy who was uh on Instagram, who's an Amsoil dealer, and um, he hit me up and was like, hey, you know, I'll give you 25% off the products if you want to use the products for your build. So I was going to definitely try them out for this project and use them for all the lubrication for the differential, the engine, the transmission, and see how the products work for me. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've had no issues with it. I'm just a regular person. Like, I'm not, you know, so... But I make sure I put my shit together right, and that's what I dump. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, and I, that's what I dump off in them as synthetic oil. So yeah, I mean, I always run it, and I've never had a problem with it in any of my small blocks, never. And then the, when you dump the oil out, man, it's it's clean. It's not like pitch black, you know. I mean, right? It's clean. It's clean. Right. But that's putting yeah, the motor. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say a lot of people, you know, like they don't realize, too, that motor oil back in the day was really only good for, you know, 3,000 miles or, you know, 2,500 miles. Right. And now even standard conventional oil is good for 4,000, 5,000 miles and synthetic is going all the way up into 9,000 miles on some of them before the molecule actually starts to break down. Um and so, you know, that's a, a big thing for a lot of people is how long can I run this oil before I need to effectively change it? Right. And so do some research on what oil you're running in the car. But for the most part, synthetics, you know, they're they're not breaking down until 7,500 to 9,000 miles. Exactly. Yeah. And, so, and while we're talking about the oil, you know, the oil filter itself is a problem for most people because nowadays they offer these high micron 
oil filters, but then you're running conventional oil through it. And that's not a good thing because it will clog them little pores up in that filter. And then you're bypassing your filter and you're not helping yourself. So you can't, you know, you can't run a high micron filter with conventional oil and expect to run for a long time because then you're just creating issues. Right, right. You're not filtering anything that you're supposed to be filtering. Exactly. You end up clogging it. And look, you're, then you're, you know, it's just not a good thing. So, yeah, basically do research. Don't just listen to me. Research your oils. <laughs> you know. I always, fall, I always fall back to research. I tell people a lot of things and I say, I love the fact that you believe me, but go double check me. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, you definitely got to. And I mean, and I just like to talk about stuff. That's legit, but then you definitely go do your research and see if that's what route you want to take and fully understand what it is that you want to do. You know, just don't take right. it, you know, because this guy said or because I said or whatnot. Just do your own research. And if I'm wrong right. about something, definitely tell my ass. That way I won't say that shit no more. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? <laughs> so, and if you're out there, you know, doing your own research, that's, uh, you know, really how you expand your own RAM. You know, you've, you've got to understand what you're trying to do. You can't just Google it and go, well, this guy says do this and think that that's a you know one shot fit for your application um a lot of times with what we're building it's different than what somebody else is building and so you can't just take somebody else's you know word for that particular thing and go okay well that's what i need to do um a lot of it is actually looking at it from multiple sides same thing with looking at you know the different race aspects of different vehicle builds is actually building that knowledge because that's what's going to help you move forward with your project because the next problem that you come up with you're going to say this is what i need to do i need to go research this problem in a couple different ways and then come up with my own conclusion of how to make that right exactly man and that's that's what it is man and it all falls back to what we were just saying research and reaching out don't be afraid like right. i tell everybody you can ask me stuff and we'll go through it and now we have you here and if somebody wants to get a hold of you you've told them you know go ahead drop me a line same thing if you want me to ask rick something just tell me and i'll do it but you're better off just going straight to the source that way you can i mean you know I, I, no for sure yeah so i mean that's the whole thing but my whole thing is to for people to want to reach out and want to ask questions you know just like i'm asking you stuff i'm asking you questions because i don't know that's why i ask you you know what i mean so right right yeah and i want that too you know that's that's why i put the platform there is i want people to actually ask me questions you know i've got i think by the other day i looked i think i'm close to 1500 followers and i've got a couple people i say a couple as in like two or three that actually asked me, you know, some things and they're working on some projects and I help them out with a whole bunch of stuff. There's a girl that's building a BMW right now that is putting an LS motor in it. And she saw the way that I was doing my motor mounts because she knows that we have a problem with mounting the LSs in the BMWs. And she was open and she hit me up. She's like, hey, can you send me the templates that you used for that? And I'm like, heck yeah, man, no problem. So I packaged them up and mailed them out this morning to her. So I was like, I, you know, no problem. If anybody needs anything, I'm, you know, 
I'm not hesitant at all. I'm more than happy to share anything that I've got going on, um, you know, from whether it's a build that I'm working on now or even a question about something that you've seen that I did or a question that you're just curious about. I'm sure that I know it too, you know, so I'm open to conversation. That's, that's really what the whole thing is about is that I want to bring more people in to, uh, you know, interact with me and ask me questions so I can help them. Exactly. Right on, man. That's what the whole thing's about. And I'm just glad that uh, you took the time out and come on and do this. And uh, now you've enlightened me to a couple of things. And I'm sure the people listening, they're like, all right, cool, cool. You know, so I appreciate your time on this, man, and working with me. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. You know, um, like I said, you know, I just kind of ran into you um, from Instagram and it's been an awesome, awesome thing meeting you and talking to you and seeing some of your projects that you're working on and being able to come onto your platform and talk to some of your listeners. Yeah, cool, man. Right on. And same here, man. I, I, you know, I was like, yeah, what's up? And I was looking, I was like, damn, this dude's building some badass shit, right? So I was like, yeah, and then we got to talking, you know, because I was like, yeah, what's up, man, you know, and then here we are. And yeah, so it's been a pleasure meeting you too and talking to you and you letting me in on what you got going on because you told me some stuff, you know, that people don't even know about and we'll leave them to find it out as it comes around, you know, so and I appreciate you letting me in on that stuff, you know. That's pretty cool. For sure, man. No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you, too. Yeah, so before we get out of here, let everybody know where they can find you at on Instagram and your other websites so that they can reach out to you. Yep, so it's Drift Nation 2020 across all platforms. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube is all Drift Nation 2020. Um, and then the website is driftnation2020.com. Right on, man. That's right. Keep that shit simple. Everything of mine is patina code. <laughs> it's simple. Man. You know, you can't fuck that up. You're like, oh, let's see if he's on here. Type in patina code. If I'm on there, it's going to come up. So that's cool. <laughs> that's Drift, right. that's yeah, right. man, that's it. Drifting is part of it, man. And But it goes deeper than that. So that's the whole thing. That was one of the other things we talked about. People say, patina code, oh, that's cool. I'd like to be featured, but my ride's not patina. And I say, it don't matter. Bring it. Just like you're saying your drift nation 2020 but come on because there's shit that i can show you that works with what you're trying to do right right especially you know the classic classic car side you know especially being the patina code when it comes to the classic cars that's you know where i make my bread and butter building those every day so pretty much every day all day long i'm working on pre 73 vehicles um uh, and it's not just mustangs that's what uh dark horse mustangs is but at the same time i do a lot of stuff for other local people that are here whether it's you know 77 trans am uh bell or you know anything from the 50s on up i have a, a broad range of experience so yeah if you need anything feel free to reach out right on man hey this is rick from drift nation 2020 and uh, appreciate everybody listening. Thanks again, man. We'll work together again on this because I know we're going to have to bring you back and do another podcast, especially after you get through with your Knievel movies and uh, everything else you got going on. We'll bring you back on. You can tell us some little behind the scene things, if you will. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll be happy to do that. Hey, cool, man. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it, man. All right, brother. Appreciate you. All have right. a good day, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks.
Drift Nation 2020, everybody, and you can find him across all social media platforms, as he mentioned. You can also find those badass 69 and 70 Mustangs that we were talking about on Instagram as well, at Dark Horse Mustangs, or find them on the web, darkhorsecustoms.net. And for your first-time listeners, you can also find me on Instagram, at Patina Code, and while you're there, take a look at the patina code store site we're selling a little bit of merch there you can find that store site in the link in my bio or you can just simply type in through your web browser www.patinacode.equid that's ecwid.com and it'll take you right to the store and you can pick you out a couple shirts to support your local patina coder (laughs) today's show was brought to you in part by ls fabrication if you're building an early model Chevy truck, you definitely want to check them out. And you can use Patina Code's promo code, Patina Code, in the promo code section of their website to receive 10% off all sheet metal products made by LS Fab. That covers tow boards, firewalls, kick panels, door panels, radio delete, vent cow delete, and gas fill delete. Check them out today, www.lsfab.ca. Today's show was also brought to you in part by Joe's Racing Products. They are an industry leader in race-specific equipment, and it's made right here in the United States of America. I retrofit some of the parts and use them on my builds. You can check them out today at www.joesracingproducts.com. Joe's Racing Products, accelerating performance. That's our show for today, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and for you new people, Please leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the show and subscribe to the channel. And we will continue to produce these shows as we continue on. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay with me.